This is Banks and Commentary. I'm your host, Candace Banks, and welcome to the show. Today, we're going to be interviewing my friend and colleague, Miss Jackie Alston. She's going to be talking to you about how she paid off $100,000 in student loan debt and how she bought her first home at 23 years old. Now, let's go ahead and get into the episode. Do not listen to the naysayers, the people who don't know what they're talking about, the people who do not have homes. They have nothing to say to you. They can only offer their opinion. So, hey, Jackie, how you doing today? Hey, Candice, how are you? I am doing good, doing good, girl. I am so glad to hear from you. Um, so, first of all, congratulations. So, we're, we're, we're trying to act like we, we just now doing this, but... <laughs> We were talking earlier, and um, you just purchased your first home. So how does it feel as a new homeowner? It feels great. Um, my home ownership journey was two and a half years long. And I oh, think wow. a, a little into why that was the case. Um, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really excited to just be in my new home and enjoying home ownership as a single Black woman, um, knowing wow. that I have the finances to do it. So I'm mm. excited. Mm, she said, I'm a boss. Speak to me. Speak to me nice. Speak to me <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So, Jackie, just let's just start off. Just kind of tell me a little bit about you. Like, where are you from? You know, uh, kind of what you do for work. And then we'll get into your journey a little bit. Sure thing. So, Candace, I'm from Washington, D.C., born hey. in Southeast D.C. Hey. Uh, and I really love, of course, D.C. and everything about it. And that's where I initially wanted to buy a home at. And we'll talk about why I initially decided to buy in Maryland. But I'm from D.C. I'm 23 years old. I work for a tech consulting company. I worked for it for about two and a half years now. Uh, and I attended college at North Carolina A&T as a communications major. I got my master's from Johns Hopkins University. Um, and yeah, so right now I just work as a tech consultant and communications on the side. That's oh, it. wow. First of all, 23 to purchase your first home. And y'all, I've seen a picture of the house. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> and 23 to purchase your first home. That is That is just amazing and also we'll talk a little bit about your degrees too and kind of like the student loan thing so um can you talk a little bit about your home ownership journey sure Uh, so i initially decided to purchase a home when i was about i guess like 21 or so i had just graduated from north carolina a t um Mm -hmm. at 20 and so at 21 my mom was like hey you should start looking into home ownership um, because there's a lot of homes in D.C., there are a lot of programs, and I think it would just be really good for you to start using your finances wisely, um, because my parents are homeowners. They've been homeowners for over 30 years, wow. um, but my brothers are both renting, so we're in a home, we're in an apartment, so they really wanted to see one of their children actually have you know, wealth and equity. Um, and they felt like that could start with me. So I initially started my homeowner journey in 2018, So it was about February, I reached out to a realtor who is um, a family friend, and she recommended that we, you know, start going over finances. I was making pretty decent money coming out of college. That was my issue. Uh, But then student loans (laughs) came about. Um, That was actually the main factor um, why I could not buy a home two and a half years ago. Um, not only my student loans from undergrad, but also from grad school, being at Johns Hopkins. Um, mm-hmm. Those were piling up on, of course, on my reports and everything. 
Um, and then secondly, uh, I also decided that, you know, I had student loans and I have made good money, but savings. So I started to save and I thought I had enough, but my realtor was like, no, <laughs> that's, not, that's not enough for me. We'll talk about a number eventually um, mm-hmm. that people should get to. Um, but yeah, definitely. It was also about savings. Um, and then it was also about just knowing um, how to budget. Um, I think I was like a okay budgeter from being in college, but I didn't know how to really budget adult finances. So definitely all those factors kind of, you know, set me back. Um, and then also trying to buy an expensive market. DC is a very expensive market um, to buy in. And you know, I really did not want to buy in Maryland. I was really trying to stray away from that. I wanted to be mm-hmm. a black woman with a home in an expensive market and everything. Um, but God had other plans. Um, yeah. And so I went through a couple of different home buying programs, one called NACA, um, mm-hmm. one called HPAP, and then also the Maryland Smart Buy program, which is the one I end up using. Um, and I was going through all three of those at once, trying to balance mm-hmm. files and credit and meeting all the qualifications for all of them. Um, but yeah, two and a half years later, I finally found a home in Maryland, actually really was like my dream home. Um, mm-hmm. And I literally was able to afford it through the Smart Buy program, which got rid of all of my student loans, uh, student loan debt. <laughs> Shete, come so not on. Only did I, not only did I buy a very nice home in the Maryland area and it had everything I wanted, my student le- student loan debt is now gone. So Ooh, I know I know people are probably like right now, um, yeah, you need to go. It's it's the writing off the student loans for me. <laughs> so I, I want you to go back though. First of all, keep going. Um, but if 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 you're done. Then I want you to go back and then talk a little bit about the prep work. Sure. Uh, so prep work. So once I decided that I wanted to buy a home, but I had limited factors, uh, mm-hmm. I think what I started to do was um, with the NACA program, you have to save your future mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, and although I really hated that, I was like, okay, this is going to make sense someday. And it did. So pretty much mm-hmm. what they told me to do was if you pay zero rent right now, I need you to start saving whatever you think your future mortgage will be. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be very transparent. I started saving $1,800 a month. Mm-hmm. That's, a very, that's very high for mm-hmm. my salary back then. But I said, if I want a nice house, this is probably going to be around my mortgage. Right. So I started saving that amount each month. And I did that for almost two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept it in a separate account that wasn't my checking, like a separate savings account. Um, mm-hmm. And I did not touch it. So by the time I got to buying the home that I really, really wanted, and my realtor mm-hmm. said, hey, you have to come up with X amount of money. I said, oh, it's in the bank. It hasn't been touched. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's ready to be deposited. Yes. Um, so this was the, one of the biggest steps I made was saving my future mortgage. And I think everybody should do that for at least a year, especially mm-hmm. because you want to get to a point where you're comfortable with that number coming up every month. You don't want to start your home ownership journey and being like, oh, I can't afford it, or I'm not used to seeing this number. You want to put in that practice, right? Um, And then the second thing I did was I added on multiple streams of income. Mm -hmm. So outside of my regular job, um, I do event planning with my parents. Um, And then also outside of that, um, I work as a professor at Prince George's Community College. Mm -hmm. So I use those two streams of income to, you know, really um, gather my savings and make sure that I had enough money to not only pay you know like for my own expenses that I already had but future expenses I would have as a homeowner um Mm -hmm. so that was the second step and then three I had to get my credit up Um, Mm -hmm. my credit was in a good place I didn't really have any faults or anything like that 
Um, but I had to like downgrade my credit card usage. Um, mm -hmm. I also had to um, just make sure I kept paying my bills on time. So auto pay and stuff like that. Um, okay. And then just making sure that I closed out any credit cards and stores and stuff. So those mm -hmm. are probably like the three things I did in order to make sure that I was like home ownership ready. Um, and mm -hmm. I think a lot of people don't do that until they get to maybe like a lender or something and they tell mm -hmm. you that's what you need to do. But I'm glad my realtor told me those things up front. So by the time I got to being pre-approved and all that stuff, it was a very easy process. Gotcha. Now, as far as the um, programs are concerned, um, do you mind explaining those a little bit to people? Yes. So in your experience, let's start, too. Let's start with HPAP. Okay. So HPAP is um, a home ownership program, particularly for DC residents who want to buy a home in DC. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the program I started with because I wanted to, you know, start buying a home in DC. And they give you up to $80,000 in down payment assistance, up to, I believe, $5,000 um, mm -hmm. in funding for closing costs. That mm -hmm. sounds great, but mm -hmm. that $80,000 of funding starts to decrease if you make more money. So mm -hmm. by the time they saw my salary, I was only eligible for, I think about maybe $16,000 of down payment assistance. Mm -hmm. um, so that program, it was great um, because, you know, I got to see DC homes and everything like that and see my budget. But DC, mm -hmm. the DC homes weren't really giving me the space I wanted, it's entertainment space. I didn't mind refurbishing a home or, you know, doing it over or anything like that, but I, mm -hmm. I like to entertain. I like to have people over. I have a lot of stuff, <laughs> you know, I just, <laughs> so I just needed, I really was looking for a particular home that really met my needs and my realtor, you know, she was trying to compromise. We were working with HPAP and I actually went to the HPAP program twice. So oh, the wow. first time, yes. So the first time I went through HPAP, I got approved and everything, but I couldn't find a home and I didn't have mm -hmm. savings. So I went to it a second time. And the second mm -hmm. time I went through it, um, I was going through it at the same time as um, NACA. Um, and although I got approved for HPAP, the D by the time I got to the DC market, there were really no homes left for me um, right. at that point, like nothing that I really wanted. So mm -hmm. that was a journey. NACA. The NACA program, um, you have no down payment, no closing costs. Sounds mm -hmm. great in theory. But that is a very hard, strict program. Um, my counselor at NACA um, wasn't the best, to be honest. Um, not knocking the program, it was just the counselor that was handed to me. Um, and then, of course, my student loans um, were just also a factor in everything. Um, so that paired with my counselor, it made it very hard. And I kept being denied by NACA um, mm -hmm. because every month you had to like make sure that your savings and your check-ins and all these numbers lined up or whatever. Um, and they were based on my bank statements and that month to month, it was a, it was a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was a very stressful. Um, I think if you're going to go through NACA, definitely just don't prepare yourself to try to get through that very quickly. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that was like very, very hard to accept. Um, mm -hmm. And then the last program would be the Maryland Smart Buy program, which was, I wish I would have discovered this two years ago. Um, <laughs> pretty much um, with the Maryland Smart Bar program, um, you they forgive up to $40,000 in student loan debt if you put 5% of the asking price down. And they give you an extra $5,000 in closing costs that is forgiven over the course of five years. Come on. Come on, and, Maryland. <laughs> and the only thing I had to do with that program is submit paperwork to my lender because they're a partner with my lender. And they did everything from there. 
I didn't never talk to a counselor there. I never had to go through any trial and error with them. Literally the best program. So I'm just blessed <laughs> that I found yes, a program that worked for me. Um, considering that my initial um, thing that was holding me back was the student loans. And now that that is no longer a worry, it's just mm. God. <laughs> so mm. I'm just grateful. Ooh, God is so good. right? And he, but his timing is perfect. So there, perfect. there was, there was a reason for going through that process and everything. And if it, if it's even to just, you know, be able to tell other people about it and give them pointers and things like that. So it, it wasn't all in vain. Right. Um, the other, the other question I want to ask you is for the um, smart by program, the Maryland smart smart by pro program, do you have any pointers, tips, or just anything that you'd recommend looking back people do um, in advance of, you know, going through the smart by program? Uh, sure. Um, so I would just say do your research because the, mm -hmm. the Maryland Smart Buy Program is an umbrella program of the Maryland Mortgage Program, mm -hmm. which has a whole bunch of mortgages under it, like different programs under it. So I would say definitely like do your research. Um, and then secondly, come with some money. Um, and that mm -hmm. number might look differently for everybody. Um, but any anytime someone asks me how much money do you need for a home to buy a home, mm -hmm. I normally tell them between five to ten thousand. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that number is because even if you get the best deal ever with NACA or HPAP or even Maryland Smart Buy, you, there are going to be costs to everything. You're going to have to pay somebody, the realtor, <laughs> um, yeah. inspectors, course, inspectors. Um, mm -hmm. If there are anything, anything wrong with the house um, that they find an inspection, you know, to close, you might have to pay for that before you close. Um, and even after you close, so I always tell people just save at least five to 10K. Um, and those will really be the only two things you needed because like I said, the Maryland Smart Bar program was literally an easy process. My lender handled everything from beginning to end. Um, so it was just, it was great. It was awesome. Gotcha. That's so awesome. That's so awesome, Jackie. Um, the other thing, <clears throat> excuse me, even going back now to um, your student loans, you talked a little bit about those. So uh, how much, or you don't have to disclose maybe how much student loans that you'd paid off before going through the Smart Buy program, but how did you, um, how did your budget look for that? How did you put together your budget? A lot of people um, always ask, like, where do I start? Like, how did I put together my budget to then start to pay down those student loans and save up that money to where now you, you had that five or 10 or even more thousand dollars in the bank to buy your first home? I started paying off my student loans. I have student loans from North Carolina A&T, mm -hmm. as well as Johns Hopkins. So I total student loan that I've had over time is 100K um, from everything. Mm -hmm. But when I started the home buying process, I brought it down to $40,593. You paid, a, you paid, you, first of all, you know the number down pat. And, okay. and I'm, I'm going to tell you why I know that number. Um, okay, keep going, keep going. But yes, so it was $40,593 that I had left. Um, mm -hmm. And so I basically was paying it off through a payment plan, through Navion as my loan servicer. Um, mm -hmm. I was paying them off through a payment plan. Um, and with budgeting, I just made sure that I had it on auto pay, so it will always come out. And I was using my extra streams of income to pretty much pay it off instead of it coming out of like my main source. So it didn't feel like it hurt too much. And what's crazy about this year is that during when COVID hit, there was student debt relief, you know, relief and everything. Mm -hmm. So I was able to defer them. Um, and 
withhold that money coming out while I was basically closing on my home. So mm -hmm. um, that kind of accelerated everything. Um, and mm -hmm. so by the time I got to the Maryland Smart Buy program, you know, they forgave, they forgave $40,000 and I only had $593 left. <laughs> and mm, I paid the it. best $593 you've ever spent. <laughs> <laughs> The other thing that I wanted to ask you about is um, you talked a little bit about saving. Can you talk about living at home? Because I know you did live at home some. So what would you recommend for someone, you know, maybe just coming out of college, trying to build wealth? I know everybody like we coming out of college, we buying us some cars. I need that nice car too. But anyway, we buying us cars, we getting nails done, we taking flights, we doing this, we doing that. So advice for people coming out of college who wants to kind of streamline that saving. Listen to me, people of all ages. <laughs> okay, so when you first come out of college, <laughs> normally people have a decent job, right? Like, you know, you have a decent mm -hmm. amount of money. Like, this is probably the most money you've ever made in your life when you're coming out of college. Mm -hmm. The first thing I tell people never to do, do not go into debt for anything mm -hmm. if you do not have to. So I chose to stay home because I wanted to come home. My job was here. Um, and that was the best thing I ever did um, because it saved me money and allowed me to save for the house. Because if I was paying rent somewhere, I wouldn't have been able to save that much money. Um, something that another financial decision that I made was I decided to buy a car. Um, maybe three months after I got out of college. Um, but I really needed a car, honestly. Um, I had gotten into a really bad car accident in late 2017. So I really needed a new car and I wanted to reward myself. Um, while I bought a great car and a very nice car, um, I definitely recommend people, if you don't have to go that route, don't go that route. Um, if you can drive someone else's, <laughs> you know, older car or whatever, and they buy them a new car, fine um if you could just buy a less expensive car just don't go into debt because if you think you're going to buy a home within five years you know you don't want to have that debt already stacked up um and one of the things my mom said was traditionally people you're supposed to buy a house first then buy the nice car not the other way around um but of course i didn't do it that way and it worked out for me but i definitely think that your first big debt should be a house um, because you want to make sure that you're saving money in every area possible. Buy a home first, right? Because cars depreciate. <laughs> and for me, it, it was exactly a, same, a similar story is that I got into a car accident. I needed a new car. I did get a luxury car. <laughs> However, um, I, I should have, you know, the best financial sense would have been to get a uh, used, very cheap <laughs> car you know that ran and obviously was reliable um but i mean you know you live and you learn if you don't have to get it don't get it if you do try to get one at least that's used that's a few years older so that some of the depreciation is out of it so i completely agree with you there um in that and then there's a there's another a couple of things that you talked about um we talked about you talked about paying off your debt i want to i a lot of times people ask about how do I start? Like, where do I start with my budget? So how did you start like going through doing line item, line item after line item, making Excel sheets? So if you used any apps, like how did you start in that area? Sure. So I budget two ways. I use the Mint app, um, which I think is through Intuit. 
Um, and pretty much I use that as my daily bread. <laughs> I lock, I, um, sorry, I match it to all my accounts, my bank accounts. Um, and I make sure that every line item that is in my bank account is in mint and I set the budget. Um, most times I don't go over it. If I don't, if I do go over a budget in one category, I decrease it in another. So if I know that, okay, I would just went to the grocery store and I had to spend $150 instead of spending a hundred, then that means that I need to spend less on restaurants or less on shopping this month. And I kind of do it that way to make sure my budget doesn't go over a certain amount. I also use a very lengthy Excel sheet <laughs> that I have in my Google drive. I've been using it probably ever since I started saving. So about like two years now. Um, and it matches up with what's in Mint. But the Excel sheet kind of allows me to see month to month how I've been spending. So I give myself a goal of every month of, hey, I don't want to spend over $200 a month on groceries this month. Um, because last month I only spent 150 so I shouldn't have to go over this. Or, hey, someone invited me out for drinks this month. Okay, that's fine. That means that next month I need to have a goal of spending less in that category. Um, and I think one thing people should do is every month give yourself a goal. Like this month, I want to pay off this. Or this month, I want to spend less in here. It makes budgeting a little more fun. It makes you accomplish accomplish more things with your money, you know? Um, so I think that's the best part about budgeting. Um, and also, I just wanted to say no. <laughs> and I think a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people don't know how to do that. Like if you can't go out to eat, okay. If you can't go on vacation, okay. I haven't been on vacation in about two years. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, you can't go on vacation if you're budgeting, but I had to make that decision. Um, and I've been on small trips here and there, but nowhere, lux you know, very luxurious places um, because I had to make sure that, hey, I need to buy this house. What do I need to sacrifice, right? So those are things you have to definitely consider um, if you're budgeting and trying to meet some type of financial goal. Um, and so right now, after buying the house, I'm like, okay, what's my next financial goal? What do I want? Do I want to invest? Um, is there an expensive item that I really, really want? Like it could be things that are fun. It doesn't have to be something that, you know, is just boring or anything like that. But at this point, I'm like, okay, how do I make myself make more money with the money I already have? And so that's the place that I'm in right now. Can you talk a little bit about um, uh, two things? I want to, you, you just dropped so many nuggets on me. <laughs> You dropped so many nuggets on me. So can you talk about um, investing while you were saving? If you did that, if you didn't do it, whether it's investing in your 401k, your stock purchase plan, Roth IRA, or even in your own self and your, and your um, side hustles. Do you mind talking a little bit about that? Sure. So actually, while I was saving, I didn't invest. And that's one mistake I did make. Um, I should have invested in a Roth IRA or 401k, even while I chose to save, because those savings would have been more profitable at that point. By this point, mm -hmm. I would have had way more money. My savings would have just been, you know, not just sitting there. Um, so now I'm at a place where I'm investing in Roth IRA. Um, a family friend was able to start it for me. Um, so mm -hmm. I'm doing that. I know a lot of people are doing Forex. Um, right now, which seems to be very profitable. So that's where I'm heading to um, right now. Like I said, I didn't make the decision to invest um, then, but now I'm like, okay, I need to do that um, in order yeah. to really make my money make money. <laughs> that, that's so true. That's so true. Um, and then that's good for someone who's just starting out, maybe just putting a, a little extra money aside every month for investments in whatever it is that you feel comfortable doing. Um, that's definitely awesome. 
uh, awesome suggestion there. And then can you, you're talking a little bit, we know you're a homeowner, recent homeowner. Um, can you talk about the unexpected things after homeownership? Like, like what, like what about homeownership were you like, oh man, I didn't, didn't realize that. <laughs> uh, I would just say after I closed, so let's back up a little bit. Before I closed mm -hmm. on my home, I had a couple of things that the inspector found um, that they'd be like, okay, you're going to have to get this fixed when you mm -hmm. close, um, maybe before you close, whatever your pockets fill. Um, so I said, okay, that's fine. I, ha I had a list of things that I knew I would have to fix once I closed. Now, once I closed <clears throat> and decided to start investing in those things, the cost mm. started to get a little crazy. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And so I had particularly this sink problem in my kitchen that kept occurring. Um, and mm -hmm. so that was one thing I was not really prepared for. Um, that was something that was supposed to fix in the inspection, but I had to end up getting a home warranty for it. Um, I had mm -hmm. to end up paying out of pocket for it. Then my oven broke. So I had mm -hmm. to get my oven fixed. Um, I have to get new doors in my house um, because those were older. Um, I had also, <clears throat> I have to repaint some of the walls and stuff because the paint that they have in here is not the best paint. It's just like things you really don't think about that is going to cost you. Um, and so also just a matter of, <clears throat> I have a pet, <laughs> so there's definitely more costs associated with that. Um, and then just the structure of the home, um, I had to get some roof repairs. I had to get some windows repaired, um, just mm -hmm. a lot of different things that I was just like, uh, I don't want to do this, but I have to do this in order for my house to feel comfortable and look great and everything mm -hmm. like that. So I definitely wasn't prepared. Um, and so I think people should weigh those options when they're deciding to buy new construction versus existing mm -hmm. homes because my mm -hmm. home has been in existence, I think since 1999 or something like that. So it's mm -hmm. not old, 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 but it's, you know, it has some wear and tear on it. If you're buying right. new construction, you don't have to worry about those things, but then the money that you spend might come in the form of like buying new construction and down payment and closing costs and everything like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah. I personally am in the process of buying a new construction home. And while, I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do with existing construction, like forcing appreciation into it by, you know, upgrades and things like that. So it's definitely a, um, it's, it's, you have to weigh your options and see what's best for you in the moment. Um, now I know that you live in Maryland. Um, we might have to bleep that out if you don't want it to be there. <laughs> um, but um, can you talk a little bit about your choice? I know you said, you know, living in D.C., the markets were a little bit more expensive. But how do you like Maryland and uh, kind of how did you make that choice to move to um, to this particular market? Yeah, great. So I currently work in Virginia. Um, so, of course, I wanted to live somewhere for well, Arlington, Virginia, particularly. And we live right. I mean, we work right by the metro. So I definitely mm -hmm. wanted some place that I can be able to drive to or metro to um, if I had to, you know, decide in the morning. I didn't want to have to be like, oh, I can only metro. I can only drive. So mm -hmm. that was a determining factor. I knew that I wanted to live in the local DMV area. Um, mm -hmm. But with D.C., I knew that there would be it would be closer to metro stations. Um, my friends still live in D.C., so I really wanted to buy in D.C. initially. Um, but where I bought in Maryland um, is close <clears throat> enough to places that I still like to go. So, you know, close enough to restaurants I like, close enough to friends that I like to visit. 
Um, and then also Maryland is becoming a very profitable area. Of course, mm -hmm. not as big as DC, but definitely still increasing in value. Um, and when I closed on this home, they told me that they <clears throat> sold my home for the price that they did because they're trying to appreciate the value in the area. So it was actually mm -hmm. a very smart decision on my part um, because mm -hmm. they are going to beginning beginning to basically use my house as like a trial run <laughs> um, wow. to say, hey, we sold our house for this amount. We need to make sure we up the price on this one. Um, yeah. And then also Maryland, of course, like living in D.C., you're close to the Maryland line. So I wasn't scared to move here or anything like that. I'm still 20 minutes away from family. I'm still about mm -hmm. 15 minutes away from like the local D.C. downtown. I'm about mm -hmm. 15 minutes away from Alexandria. So I'm in a very, very great spot. And I'm glad I chose to live in Maryland. Um, and mm -hmm. specifically in the neighborhood that I'm in, so. Mm -hmm. That's good. Uh, we're gonna be neighbors, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then can you talk a little bit about your side hustles? So you you said your side hustles were able, that allowed you to pay off your student loans, build up your savings and all that stuff. Do you mind talking just about um, the, the side hustles that you have and how you got those started? Sure, uh, so my parents have been event planning for a very, very long time. Um, so, but when I graduated, I decided to kind of pick up the business and like make it a little more official um, and everything mm -hmm. like that. So we decided to make it an official business and we started having clients. Um, and of course that allowed more, more money to stream. Um, and not a lot, you know, cause most of the money we were investing in back into the business and not into our pockets, but it did help us, mm -hmm. you know, have a little money from time to time. And then also I'm a professor at Prince George's Community College. Um, and of mm -hmm. course those checks <laughs> really allowed me to save, um, and, you know, spend my money in areas that I really wanted to, instead of forcing my income to just be it. So I definitely encourage anybody who wants to buy a home, pick up some side hustles, Uber, Lyft, Instacart, whatever you need to do, or, you know, any type of hobby that you have, or just turn it into a business, do something that's really going to make you passionate, um, and, you know, build your bank account, um, while you're trying to mm -hmm. really build up your savings. Nice. So did you have any naysayers throughout this process? Like, why oh, are you teaching yeah. on the side? You know, why you drive? Well, you didn't drive Uber or Lyft, but, you know, some people are like, why are you driving Uber or Lyft? You can't afford it. You ain't going with us to eat tonight, you know? You <laughs> she got to save. You know? <laughs> I, I would say I did have a lot of naysayers, not just in the area of finances, but my decision to buy a home in general. Um, the number one thing that people told me was that, why are you buying a home? Why are you buying a home and you aren't married? Mm. Um, and I think as a black single woman, it's like, even mm. if I was a relationship or not, um, I should be able to afford a home, you know, on my own. I shouldn't have mm. to wait for a man to come save me to be, mm. <laughs> to be like any financial covering for me. I should want to have it on my own. And I think, every black woman should want to have that attitude about life. Mm -hmm. Like even if he doesn't have it, I'm going to have it and I'm going to be fine. Um, mm -hmm. So that was the number one thing. A lot of people couldn't really grasp. Um, also mm -hmm. people were like, why are you going to live in that big house by yourself? My house isn't mm -hmm. that entirely that big. It so is a big house. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of large. It's a nice, <laughs> it's a nice size. Um, but I also, I'm thinking forward. So my thing mm -hmm. is, if I eventually want to get married and have kids, I have the option to do it in this house I have. I don't have to move, you know, right? Mm -hmm. I have the space. Um, and I don't have to feel like I'm forced to go anywhere. Um, mm -hmm. Also, naysayers, of course, about finances, like, why can't you go here? Why can't you spend money here? Why can't you go here with us? But, I mean, 
they'll live, you know, <laughs> we're going to have a lot of things to say about where, where you decide to live, who you decide to live with, um, mm-hmm. and what you decide to do for your money, but you have to tell them, like, you are not in my plans, like, I know what mm-hmm. I'm doing, God knows what he's doing, let me do what I need to do, um, and then mm-hmm. also, <clears throat> a lot of questions about my realtor, my choice mm-hmm. of lender, um, and things like that, because my process took us so long, they was like, you should switch realtors, and you should switch lenders, I'm like, I'm not doing any of that, because I know these people have my back, and when mm-hmm. it all came down to it, when those months came down, they were, they had my back 100%, so I mm-hmm. tell people, do not listen to the naysayers, the people who don't know what they're talking about, the people who do not have homes, um, <laughs> the people who do not have assets. Like they have nothing to say to you. They can only offer their opinion, not their mm-hmm. expert opinion, just their opinion. So mm, that's good. Yeah, that's good. And even like in this journey of just building wealth and financial independence, I've learned two things. One, that you have to be very confident and assured like with yourself and your choices, because you're going to always have people that are going to disagree with you and just not be swayed by that. Kind of like what you're saying. And two, like in this journey, you'll like figure out like who you need and, and like not necessarily who you need, but you'll God will connect you with people who will help you push, who will, as the words of Kiki shared, who will push you into purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think that like you and I becoming friends, like you'd be like, nah, I ain't going to lunch today. I gotta, I gotta save. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I ain't going either. I, ain't. <laughs> like, I don't have to go either, you know? So just finding people who are, who are that same mindset and um for people who don't know but Jackie and I actually are co-workers mm-hmm. and I, I met her and like we were I saw like a, a spreadsheet she had on her phone or so and I was like dang like what you doing let me let me <laughs> let me get on what you doing so um finding people like that who will help push you and who speak life into you who pray for you um I remember Jackie you know, she, she said, you know, I'm gonna pray for you and in this journey. And I think I said the same thing to you as, as you were talking. So and the and I think you're one of the first, know, they avail as much. So yes, yes, yes. It's, I think you were the first person that I told about, uh, putting the down payment for my, or the earnest money deposit for my home. And you were like, you know, you need to tell people who pray for you. And I believe that you did that for me. So, Aww. you know, just that, that it's just been a great journey. I'm, I'm happy to see you flourishing, Jackie. Aww, I'm so happy for you as well, Candice. <laughs> All right. So I do have a couple questions. So we're going to switch things off a little bit more. Um, but before we switch things off, did you have any, um, any last things you wanted to tell people um, before we ask kind of our two basic questions that we will ask everyone that come on the podcast? Sure. Uh, I just want to shout out two platforms. The first platform is the Miss Young Home Owner platform, which is founded by Maya Mitchell. Um, I have to shout her out on this podcast because she is one of the main reasons why I am a homeowner. Um, Maya Mitchell is an amazing woman. She has an amazing platform for young Black women buying real estate and buying homes. Um, so I really want to shout her out and give her her props, okay? <laughs> um, yes. She got, she's going to have to come on the show. Everybody go spam this young homeowner. Yes, please go follow, like, subscribe, everything. Okay. Um, great Mm -hmm. platform. 
Um, and then also, I just want to also shout out um, this realtor named Chris Perry Real Estate. Um, he mm -hmm. was not my real estate agent, but he is an amazing real estate agent to follow. Um, he is a young black man really helping people buy homes. Um, mm -hmm. And so I really want to shout him out as well because he is a great resource to have um, and to follow and everything like that. Good. Thank you for those shout outs. We have to have both Chris and Maya on the show because uh, they, I, I know Chris uh, briefly met him and I know Maya personally and they are, they are some great people. So we got to have them on the show. Thank you for uh, 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 plugging them, of course. Um, so we ask these same two questions to every guest that comes on the show. Um, the first question is, what is the best piece of financial advice you never received? So you, not you ever received, you never received. So what's something that you wish you had known um, that you know now? I wish someone would have told me to act broke. I really wish someone would have told me that. <laughs> That's um, good. Because I think a lot of people give this idea that, you know, when you make a certain amount of money, whatever, you can spend it. And that is not the case. Mm -hmm. um, you really truly have to act broke for a year or two or three um, in order for you to really get to your financial goals. That does not mean that you cannot have fun. That does not mean you can't invest. It just means that you need to double down on your finances for a while in order to really get to your next financial goal. Mm, that's good. That's such great advice. And even like, even if you don't have a certain amount of money and you know, you need to always act broke. <laughs> Act like, act like you don't have it. Act like you're not a resource. Mm -hmm. um, I think as a Black woman, um, I am expected to be strong and sometimes strong for other people. So a lot of my money not only was spent on myself and, you know, luxuries I wanted here and there, but I always was trying to invest in other people mm -hmm. and spend money, which is not a bad thing. But I think sometimes I'm like, you know, I could have drew back on that or I don't have to do this as big. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes I feel like if I would have act broke sooner, I would have been real rich now. No, that's good. That's good. Act broke sooner and you would have been real rich now. But you're still rich. So we, you know, it's OK. I, I still act like I'm broke. I wear the same hat every day. I know you probably try to see me. <laughs> no, I'm playing. Uh, <laughs> And then the next question um, that that I have is, what's next for you? Kind of what's in the arsenal? Arsenal. I know you talked a little bit about investing, but what what other things are you are you looking toward in the future? Yeah. Uh, so right now, just focus definitely on investing um, in because Roth IRA. Mm -hmm. um, maybe going to try forex. See what mm -hmm. that's about. Um, and then eventually, I do want to get into real estate investing. Um, that's like my ultimate goal to become a professional investor mm -hmm. um, and to really get that market going. Um, and for the rest of this year, of course, surviving this pandemic. Yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, right now, just seeking purpose and seeking purpose in a lot of different ways, realizing that my purpose is not in the house I bought. It's not in the car that I drive. It's not in the job that I work. Mm -hmm. um, it's in something greater than me. So mm -hmm. that is also something that I'm working on right now. Oh, man. I'm so excited for you, Jackie. Um, I think now you're, you're going to have a whole list of people who are probably going to uh, be, be following you and rooting you on. Uh, Jackie, do you want to uh, shout out your Instagram? 
Sure. Um, on Instagram, I'm at Miss Jackie Alston. Um, and on Twitter, I'm uniquely Jackie underscore. Nice. Thank you so much, Jackie, for your time today. This has been such a great, uplifting, inspiring episode. Um, I really appreciate you you taking the time to talk to me and talk to the guest. And um, yeah, I'm excited for you, Jackie. This is only the beginning. 23 years old, purchased her first home in uh, Maryland and she paid off $100,000 worth of student loan debt. So we got to give props to you, Jackie. Thank you so much. Thanks, Candice. See, I told y'all that Jackie had an amazing show for us today. She had some great tips and tricks that I want to share with you. The first she said was to research your market. Then she said to save your future mortgage for at least one year and build up that emergency fund before purchasing your first home. She said to monitor your credit and add multiple streams of income. And also stay at home if you can. As unsexy as it may sound, staying at home can save a significant amount of money. She's also said to not go into debt if you don't have to. And learn to say no. Uh, Saying no will actually keep you focused on your financial goals. And finally, don't listen to the naysayers. They cannot do anything for you. Save, invest, pay off debt, and live your best life. All right, guys, I'll see you next week for that next episode.